back to What the Fertility Season 2. Today we are sitting down with Katie Griffith discussing all things related to IVF and a thin lining. Katie reached out in hopes to share her experience with a stubborn thin lining during IVF. She hopes to shed some light on different treatment methods that can help with thin lining as during her own journey she felt resources were far and few between. Welcome Katie. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're we are so excited. I know, especially because we really haven't, I mean, I think we've maybe briefly talked about thin lining, but nothing like in depth. So I'm so excited to hear, you know, everything that you've done. And I think you're just gonna be a great resource for people. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Cause I feel like in, you know, my journey and kind of trying to do a uh, quote unquote research on Instagram and other places, I just haven't come across a lot of people who, um, have had as thin of a lining as I do and like kind of what they have done and tried. So yeah, hopefully um, maybe I can be that person for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We haven't released it yet, but we um, had a guest come on that did have thin lining and we kind of like probed okay. a little deeper and she didn't know how to explain it. So I think people that do go through thin lining also just don't understand all the different treatments unless it's just like this persistent thing that's the barrier to success. Yeah. And I think honestly, and we can kind of, we'll get into it, but I don't know that there's much that can be done about it is kind of what I found out. So wow. it's well, been my experience. Yeah. It all started. Yeah. We'll give you yeah. more. I'm sure you, there was something that triggered um, your infertility prior to finding out you had thin lining. So why don't you go Absolutely. ahead and get started? Yeah. So my husband and I, Tyler, we've been, it'll be five years in May. And so I want to say it was probably two years after we got married, I think is when we were finally like, okay, like we want this, we're ready. Um, you know, let's kind of start trying. So prior to that, however, I actually got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. It's pretty rare. Um, it's called neurosarcoidosis. It's essentially a um, inflammation of abnormal cells and it's in my, um, cervical spinal cord. So just kind of dealing with all of that and some of the things that happened because of it, I had just this inkling, you know, feeling that I was it, getting pregnant was going to be difficult. So that was kind of always in the back of my mind. Um, I actually stopped getting a period about two years before I got diagnosed with this disease. So I don't know, we don't know if that had something to do with it, but I'm just going to assume that it did. Um, mm -hmm. so we decided, um, what was it? August of 2020, I stopped taking birth control and, you know, periods still didn't show up even when I got off birth control. So we met with an RE in February of 2021 and, you know, did the initial blood work, um, the HSGs, all, all the different testing that you do when you first get started out with a clinic. So we found out two kind of interesting things with that. One, both Tyler and I are carriers of something called, the abbreviated version of it is PKU. It's very, it's a strange word to say, um, but basically since we're both carriers, you know, our children would have a chance. I want to say it's like a 25% chance of, you know, being born with that disease. And it's pretty serious. I won't like get into a ton of the details there, but, um, it's a pretty serious disease. So, you know, we kind of wanted to be able to screen for that. So found out we'd have to do that. And then, and I actually have a picture of it. I know people on listening won't be able to see, but we did an HSG and I don't know if you guys can see this, Yeah, we can. but do you see that tiny oh, yeah, little triangle? Yeah. yeah. That was my uterus. Wait, what? What? Yeah. 
So this is the test where they, you know, they shoot in the saline and make sure your yeah, tubes yeah. are open, which mine were, but that's, that's what filled up for my uterus. Oh my gosh. That which is, is like, maybe we'll ask for a screenshot micro. of that because that is mind blowing. Yeah. I need is, more. Yeah. I need a lot more details. You know, I'm like, <laughs> what? I've never yeah. seen that. Well, and my Ari hadn't either. And she was like, I just, I'm really concerned about the size of your uterus. And, you know, we kind of went way back to my teens. I had an eating disorder when I was young, like many young women. And um, she thinks maybe it was just like from lack of estrogen exposure. I don't know. But so she was like, you know, we need to look more into this before we do anything, because if that's sure. how small your uterus is, there's no way you can carry a child. Yeah, Katie, wait. So I guess verbally, <laughs> are there dimensions? Like, do you have like, it's like sixteenth? Oh, well, yeah. Like, is it like one sixteenth yeah. of the regular size? Of, I mean, it looks so tiny. Yeah. It, yeah. Extremely small. I don't have dimensions, yeah. unfortunately. I'm sure maybe she had given me some, but. Um, the fact that she had never seen it in her career seems like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So she actually referred me to, so because of my autoimmune condition, I'm kind of a regular patient over at the Mayo Clinic here, which actually is kind of nice because I was able to get in pretty quick with um, somebody over there to do a, what is it? The hist hysteroscopy. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, so I got scheduled for that. And the first one, they scheduled me to do it without um, anesthesia. And it was horrendous oh. they couldn't do it I like nearly passed out so we had to reschedule oh so they could put me asleep yeah um well that's so, so interesting we ended up, like it's already small they probably that's so crazy yeah 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 so that was a fun experience <laughs> um so we ended up doing the hysteroscopy they put me under and you know she did say that while it was you know smaller that the uterus like it, you, we don't know how it's going to react, like when it uh, potentially would get pregnant. So she wasn't overly concerned. So we decided to move forward with me being on estrogen suppositories for like three months. I think it was a whole summer just to see how I would thing. respond. Yeah. And over yeah. the summer too, um, that is not so fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what other people's experience has been with it, but just as like, I just felt kind of crazy like emotional sensitive sure. irritable like not to mention their suppositories but, exactly um I just I hated how I felt oh. um but that's what I felt like you know we needed to do to see what what happened with my uterus and then with my lining as well um so I didn't really respond. I like my uterus responded to the estrogen. She did see a change. She was happy with that. So we decided to move forward with an egg retrieval. So this was in August of 2021. So did a retrieval. I responded really slow to the medication, but by the end of it, I think I stemmed for like 12, 13 days. Um, but we were able to get, I think it was 21 that we retrieved, 15 of those fertilized. And then only three made it to blast, which was, you know, kind of disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we sent them off for both the PGTA and the PGTM testing because of the PKU, we ended up with one. Um, the other so, two had the so one was just totally abnormal. One would have had the um, disorder. 
Interesting. So that, that embryo is still frozen, but I don't, I don't foresee it's something that we would ever use, but you know, we just, she's, she's frozen for now. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so yeah, but during the retrieval, she, you know, your lining still supposed to respond. Um, and mine didn't. So that was kind of disheartening. Um, but we decided to move forward with, um, an ERA because I definitely wanted to do that. We only had one, like, let's do an ERA. And that also, you know, is kind of prepping the same prep you do for an FET. So it was like, okay, let's again, see how my lining responds. Yeah. My lining never got over three and a half millimeters. Wow. That's a baseline for a lot, right? A lot of people like, yeah, yeah. Really thin. I feel like the people who I've heard have, you know, thinner linings, it's, you know, closer to like, at least they get to at least like six. Because mm-hmm. yeah. what um, is it? Is it okay? I It's been a while. Is it like 12 millimeters? Or is it over eight? I think I think seven to eight. And then they want it to be trilameter, yes. um, which they could barely even see if it was trilameter because it's so thin, you, you know, it's really hard to tell. Okay. Um, so we had those results and it was like, well, let's try, um, oh, I should say I tried estrogen patches too with when we were prepping for the ERA because I had only done the suppositories and oral estrogen. So she was like, let's see how you respond to patches. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that didn't really help. And those are pretty expensive, oh, um, especially when you're putting on like four a day. Like, I think I probably spent over $800 on patches. Just wow. for like a when all of said and done, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, my insurance them. doesn't cover anything, so jeez, I didn't use them, but I have heard like with either failed um transfers or the trying to get like a thicker lining, they always like just say like try the patches. Did you? So you did the patches and the pills at the same time? Yes. Cool. Yep. Just loaded, loaded it up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I did. Um. So then we we had the ERA results, which I was 24 hours pre-receptive, which my doctor was also kind of like, you know, let's follow this. But also I'm wondering, is it saying you're pre-receptive because your lining's still so thin? And yeah. Like, you know, which she's like, I don't. Steady. Yeah. 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 Um, so we decided to do, I had asked her about something that I'd read. It's a PRP infusion. Um, you heard of that, I guess. Yeah. So they use them like, so I work in healthcare, so they can use them like with orthopedics, right? Like injections. Yeah. Like tons of different stuff. Um, or no, they like, yeah, go ahead. So basically what they did is they draw your blood and then they, I think it's called, they centrifuge it. Mm -hmm. Um, one of those little spinning machines and then they inject that into your uterus. Oh, that's so. I know. I don't think as a facial. Have you guys heard of it as a facial? That's the only I way I've seen it. Lord. Yes, <laughs> like the vampire facial. I've done it that way, but I'm not obviously in my uterus. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you can, and she had, um, she'd actually never done it before. So she was like, "Well, yeah, like if you were oh. willing to be my guinea pig, let's do it." Can we back <laughs> up? Did you bring yeah. that to her? Did you bring that suggestion? Yes. And where did you find I that? Did. Just, just online, like Google searching. And I'm, I'm sure maybe somebody on Instagram, it's been a while, so I can't remember exactly, but yeah, I was just trying to 
And it was supposed figure to figure out what people have tried. Reliable. That was the whole yes. point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Final yep. question on this, and I'll let you keep going. Yeah. So I hear, <laughs> I hear you say inject into your uterus, and I think like with a lot of treatments, that's just like through like not like I don't know how to explain this. That's just like external almost to extent. But do they like physically have to go in and inject into the lining of your uterus? Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Uh-uh. No. Nope. So I wasn't like being poked with a needle injected or my, anything like that. Thank you. Yep. It's, um, I think they call it a PRP infusion because I think it'd be similar to, you know, how they do the saline in your uterus for that scan. I think that would probably be similar. So it just like absorbs it up. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> <Okay>. I guess. <laughs> um, so they have you do that during your like FET prep. So when I would go in, you know, and they'd kind of monitor me and you could do it one to three times depending on how you respond and um not surprisingly I, I didn't respond um I got up to 3.8 millimeters and we did it three times so oh, is it yeah. expensive you know so I forget I think she ended up like because I was the first person, I think she like gave me a discount, sure. but I think normally it's around like 1500 to 2000. So, I mean, you know, I, and the, I, at the end of the day, what's another grand? I, hear it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that did yeah. not work. So that did not work. And she was like, you know, it's your, it's up to you. Like we can transfer and see what happens. She's like, but I give you about a 10% chance of it working. Oh my gosh. And I kind of, you already had like, you basically were ready to transfer, right? When you identified yeah. that hadn't worked. Ugh. Yeah. So, you know, sitting there in her office, I was like, I just want to do it. Like, I was just so ready. Like, let's, I just, I just want to transfer, you know? And I went back and got in the car with my husband. Cause obviously, you know, still COVID, they can't like come All in right. with you, which is frustrating because it's like, then I'm, you know, you're trying to like communicate to your husband all this stuff that I don't know, that just was always frustrating for me. But anyhow, I went out and I was like, you know, this is what we're working with. And he was like, you know, we, we don't have to do it. And I was like, I'm just like, we'd spent a whole year, you know, like getting ready to, to do this. And we ended up agreeing that like, no, like we need to give this embryo the best chance we just, we just need to cancel. Good for um, you. I think that would be yeah. so difficult. That would be so hard. I thought you were it was. Did it because that's yeah, probably yeah. true. I was so ready for you to say that. I know. I wanted to so bad. Just like, I don't know, but Patience. I'm no, glad that's that. Amazing. Yeah. No, I'm glad Tyler had the like level head to be like, we don't, we don't have to do this. Like we still frozen. Like there's no reason we have to, like we hadn't tried everything as far as the thin lining like um so the next thing we would do is called a neupogen wash and neupogen I think it's some honestly some sort of like I don't know if it's like it's people with cancer use it I don't know I might, I've, I've heard I've heard like in the infertility community on Instagram like I've, okay I've heard that I don't yeah. know yeah Maybe while you keep talking, I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of forget exactly what it is, but so we scheduled me for another FET and to do this Neupogen wash with the prep to see how that would respond. So, and I should mention, this is like right around, right before Christmas time. And we were traveling back to Iowa where we're from for a wedding. 
like in between all this. So I'm like traveling with my progesterone shots. I'm hyped up on estrogen. I'm like totally. Oh my gosh. No, mess. And we're like traveling back and forth. We had travel issues that just like added to it. So I am like, not okay at this point. Like just, sure. I just feel crazy and we're getting ready to do this. Um, you know, start this next round, get ready for an FET. And I just don't feel good. Like not only like mentally, but I am not feeling good. And I am like, I know what this is. This is the neurosarcoidosis that I have coming back. Like, um, and I was like, I just, this isn't good. So I ended up, um, we were supposed, literally the morning we were supposed to go in for my first monitoring appointment before we started the FET. And I was like, I, I am sick. Like we can't, we can't do this. So I called her and I was like, look, as much as I want to move forward, like I have, I've got to figure out what's going on with me and get healthy before we do anything else. So I had an MRI at the end of the year and I was right. Like it had, the inflammation was back. And so what I have to do when that happens is I get on, um, have you heard of Remicade? I have. Is it like an auto suppress? Is it like suppress your immune system? Um, a lot of people with RA, I think take it too. Um, and I think even like Crohn's disease, but it's infliximab technically. And I go once a month for an infusion. Um, so I spent all of most of this year doing that and kind of taking a pause. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel like, gosh, we're in like episode 40 and I feel like every time we talk to other women, there's like just some, it's just life. Life just happens. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're like already so ready before this hurdle. And now, I mean, that's a big deal. Again, your body yeah. has to be super healthy and inflammation. Amanda can relate, you know, she has lupus. So that's right, right. autoimmune yeah. and you have to, inflammation affects pregnancy. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. And you have yeah. to listen to your body. So, I mean, yes, you which like, you know how bad you wanted to go to that transfer, but yeah. you have to listen to your body. Yeah. Which I'm glad like silver lining, right. With, you know, health problems, you, you know, your body and you know, when something's not right. And I'm glad that I like, you know, have that knowledge and, and knew to kind of take a pause. Cause, um, yeah, it probably would, you know, it wouldn't have worked. So, um, and I should say just not to jump all over the place, but from the very beginning, um, visiting my art, seeing my RE and just all the the thin lining stuff, the small uterus from day one, she was like, would you ever consider a gestational carrier? And I was like, no, like if I can't carry my own baby, like, you know, must be a sign. I'm no, like, I don't know how we could ever afford it. Like, that just sounds crazy. Yeah. Yeah. With reoccurring yeah. loss too. It was like gestational carrier. Cause I thought my body couldn't do it. And I think it's like one yeah. of the most expensive options out there. I mean, it's really wild. It's really wild. So I was just like, no. Um, and even before I got married, I said, I'd never do IVF. So, <laughs> right. Oh, I get, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's lots of things I said before <laughs> and things I my know. husband said before you actually are faced with the decision. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But the reason I mentioned that is because um you know, not spoiler alert, but that's we're kind of getting to that point because 
you know, my lining, we've tried nearly everything and nothing's responded. I have lingering symptoms from my autoimmune disease. It's basically my, the lower half of my body is, I have a lot of um, like numbness and tingling and not like full strength. And sometimes that even gets into like my lower back and just even thinking now about like being, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months pregnant is kind of scary because, you know, I, I walk per perfectly fine and all of that, but I don't have like full grip in my feet. Like when I wear slide sandals, sometimes they slip off cause I can't hold on to them. So just like the safety factor, even when I would be like, if I could ever get pregnant, yeah. um, is almost kind of scary and you don't know how your body's going to respond when you have an autoimmune disease. A lot of times they say, and I don't know, Amanda, if you can kind of speak to this, but I've heard that during pregnancy, a lot of times you're like better, but then yeah, afterwards bad. things can come back like tenfold. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. So that was yeah. like the biggest thing for me. They were like, okay, when you are pregnant, you're going to like feel the feel bad. Great. Everything's going to, oh my gosh. And I did. And it was wonderful. Oh yeah. And right at the end is when my lupus flared and then I got induced even earlier. And then after okay. I was on, um, prednisone, I was like, I had to do steroids and yeah. everything because it was flared. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just all these things, it's like, you know, maybe we do have to consider this gestational carrier situation, yeah. you know, I don't know how we're going to do it, you know, well, financially, but we yeah. haven't posted it yet, but, um, we do have an episode with a guest that used the gestational carrier. So I'd love to connect the two. Oh, yes. I, that sure. would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so in the meantime, while I'm like, you know, doing these infusions and getting myself healthier, which I am today, I feel, I feel great. Um, but we decided to start looking into it and just talk to a couple agencies. I'm like, at the very least, let's just get educated. Like, let's start learning about this, what it looks like, how people pay for it. Um, <laughs> the, the so, cost is like 150, right? Like the yeah. average media. Yeah. Have you heard of, I don't want to go off on a too big of a tangent. I'm dying to get the CEO on our podcast. It's like called, uh, it's like a program. It's a gestational carrier program. I think it's Stork something. Um, a oh. man created it. Um, him and his husband used it because they use the gestational carrier. Okay. Let me find it and send it to you. And yeah, that'd be great. Because I think it's a phenomenal resource. And I'll send you the podcast too, because he walks through his whole oh, great. process. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Because there's so many out there and, you know, a lot of them do they offer so many things. And I guess for me, it's like, I wanted to find someone, me and Tyler wanted to find an agency that handles a lot of it because I'll, I'll just totally micromanage the whole process. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have a full-time job that I need to like <laughs> focus on. I can't have yeah. this other job. So, um, and I guess I'll just share the, the one that we, really like so far is circle, which I know okay. is a big one. I'm sure people will be familiar with them, but, um, we've met with them a couple times and we're going to meet with them again on Friday. Um, but they handle everything. That's um, awesome. like they have the lawyers, they have the social workers, right. they, they just, they do everything. So, um, that's appealing to us. So it's so called far. circle circle. Yep. And they have a podcast too. Oh, oh. that's cool. Yeah. We'll tag it. Is it called yeah. 
Yeah. Is it called the stork's nest or no? Uh, maybe. I know we're both trying to look it up right now, which we shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I think gestational carrier, like, and I'm sure Amanda doing like embryo donation, I'm sure you had considered it too. It's so overwhelming because of the cost. Oh, it's just wild. Yeah. It's, I mean, when they break it down to you, it, you know, for the most part, it makes sense. Um, so there's so many people and things involved with it. So, but there just, there has to be a way I don't know. There has to be a way for it not to be so expensive someday. Yeah, you're ultimately <laughs> paying, you're ultimately paying for a round of IVF. Then you got to pay for the transfer of somebody else, all of their work. And that's not even included. That's not even included. God. Yeah. Do you, okay. Last, yeah. last comment on this, and then we will move forward. Do you follow, <laughs> I'll send it to you, Jacqueline Mish. She was on the survivor. You know, I'm not, I feel like maybe I've seen her. She uh, <laughs> survivor. Um, she has her son now through a gestational carrier, and she okay. actually um, went through a very, very lengthy process, um, which is another topic about like yeah. her carrier had a miscarriage at 23 weeks, and so like that's a whole other thing to consider. Yeah, like right, right, and just like with IVF, you know, I think when we're naive and we don't know much about it and getting into it. And even people who are far removed, like IVF doesn't guarantee a baby and neither does surrogacy. So, you know, so that's just something to think about too. But um, so with that said, we've met with, we've talked to a couple of agencies too, but when we shared that we have one embryo, they were very much like, we highly recommend you try and get more. Um, because, you know, pay all this money and uh-huh. you only have one, um, you know, there's a very good chance that just cause she, again, just cause she's a surrogate or gestational carrier doesn't mean it's going to work the first time. Um, so we decided to do, I got finished up with my Infliximab, Remicade infusions, the end of October. So, cause I wanted to be, you know, again, healthy and also off that medication before we did anything else. So we had our egg retrieval in mid-December and I did do a little bit different of a protocol because we just, we were like 15 fertilized and only three were blasts. Like that's, that's a pretty big drop. Mm -hmm. So my doctor recommended that we added, um, is it HGH, the human growth hormone? The Omnitrope? Or no? Yes. 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 We did that too. I think that as well. Yep. I think you okay. actually wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. And I actually, the first time I had done Menopure and this time we did HCG instead. So those things were different, um, which who knows if, if that helped or not, but, um, I kind of the same thing responded really slow, but stemmed for 12 or 13 days. We retrieved 15, 12 fertilized, nine were blasts, which was like so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually, so we have flown home to Iowa for Christmas and literally five minutes after we got off the plane, this was like December 22nd, they called and they were like, we have the news about your blast. And I was like, oh my gosh, see, they're going to ruin Christmas. I know. And she was like, you nine. And I was like, oh my gosh. You're like, like are you sure? Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Are you positive? Did you call the right patient? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we had nine blasts, which is just, you know. Amazing. Awesome. Because really, I was just like, if we can just get two more, 
then we'll have three. And then, oh, you know, yeah. that at least gives us a great chance for one, you know, child. So we finally, the PGTA and PG, the PGTM testing take, took like three or four weeks for whatever reason. So we ended up with three, um, which is wonderful, but still yeah. like big drop. Yeah. And actually what, so two of them, um, like we would be able to transfer, but one's a low mosaic, which I don't really know much about, but my doctor explained it to me just on Friday. And she said, um, ours is it's trisomy 14, which she doesn't said she doesn't honestly know a whole lot about. So we'll talk to a genetic counselor, but I mean, they prefer to not transfer a low mosaic. I've so I don't know either actually. Yeah. And you know, I, did my Google searching, but I didn't really find too much to yeah. be honest. But still, three healthy, good embryos. Yes. Plus that—that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So we're thrilled, um, and it just feels like, for the first time, I feel like this might actually happen. Like I oh. kind of have been just—I try to be a realist about stuff, but also be hopeful because you have to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, even when we went into our retrieval in December, I was just kind of like, okay, this is the last time we're going to do it. Whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. You know, just, I don't know. I was just so much more relaxed and just like no expectations. You yeah. know, we're just, it was almost like we're just check this box, do another one, you know, whatever happens. So it just finally feels like it might actually we might actually have a kid. I don't know. Because yeah, we're, we're like three weeks into January now. So yeah. are you kind of over like trying to get your lining to thicken and you're really focused yes. on the gestational carrier and you're going to use those three today yeah. that you think of moving forward that way? Yeah, that's that's kind of what we've come to. We've had, I mean, really two years to think about it and kind of, I guess, come to terms with it too. Um, I guess I've sort of, grieved not being able to be the one to carry and that really bothered me for a while I just feel like as a woman that's like the ultimate experience um but at the end of the day like you know my health is most important and if there's such a small chance of it working anyway like we worked way too hard to get these three embryos and they deserve the best chance that we yeah. can give them so you know, people take out loans for cars and for houses and granted, most people don't have to for a kid, but we're just hopefully going to make it work. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is awesome. I mean, yeah. I was considering it. <laughs> I, you know, my thought process was like, okay, if I can't have that nine months, nine, 10 months, but I could have the rest of that baby's life. Like what? Of course I will do that. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I will give up that, that experience to have babies in my future so I definitely yeah. yeah yeah I mean family is just really important to Tyler and I and we have the sweetest nephews and niece that we just absolutely love and it's like yeah so maybe I don't get to experience pregnancy and having the bump and all those things but we're gonna have our own special experience mm -hmm. hopefully with a great carrier who we'll have a relationship with and it you know it'll just be a different wonderful experience yeah. so i'm just come yeah. to terms with it and we're just very excited to 
kind of make a decision and get started hopefully in the next, I don't know, soon. (laughs) I'm very excited for you. I'm going to send you all the people I know that I got. Please do. We're going to have a whole list of people for you. (laughs) Yeah. That would be great. So excited for you. That's, oh my gosh. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, but it's crazy how long it, um, so Circle told us it can take uh, six to 12 months to just match with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's, which, and we don't have to get into the politics of this, but if someone's not vaccinated, a carrier, uh, COVID vaccinated sounds like you match faster than if you want someone who's vaccinated, which again, we don't have to go into those politics, but I just, that's really interesting. That is super interesting. That was similar when I was, um, uh, uh, um, active with adoption, same thing with the matching. Oh yeah. Yeah. We actually couldn't even like some of like my husband, <laughs> we don't have to go into it <laughs> but <laughs> my husband's not vaccinated because he has an autoimmune disease and I am. So it was just like a whole, just my, yeah. it just adds of- another layer of it course, does. but yeah, but okay. I'm super excited for you. And so circle, and I'm going to send you the other ones. Um, you've yes. already given like really, really good advice to our listeners. Oh, good. Yeah, I think just in terms of the thin lining and then just like changing your mindset of what the future looks like when you are faced with a different route. I, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add, but I think you've, you've yeah. on it. Yeah, no, I think, um, gosh, there's a lot I could add, but I think just <laughs> as far as one, the mindset thing, like, again, if you talked to me a year ago, I was not in a very good place, like just so just disappointed by everything that we'd been through and I'm sick again. Like it was just very much like a, why me, poor me, you know, just really felt like a victim. Um, and I don't really, I, you know, I'm not sure what exactly like kind of turned things around, but, um, you know, it's totally fine if that's where you're at with your journey right now too. And I'll just say like, you know, I don't know how or when, but it will get better. You'll, you know, you'll kind of start to, I don't know, have that better perspective of, you know, why you're doing this all in the first place. And sometimes you just need a break. And I'm almost, again, these silver linings, I'm almost glad that I kind of glad I got sick again, because it forced me to like step by step back, take a break, have lots of time to think about what we wanted to do next. And I know during this process, the last thing we all want to do is pause or stop, but it was the best thing for me. So um, if anyone can take something from that, um, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I love, I can think of like 10 people that need to hear that right now. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, definitely. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. And I guess I do want to preface too, just because I know we were talking a lot about the thin lining and wanted to focus on that I would in- totally encourage other people to try the things to try the PRP to try different forms of estrogen to try the Nupagen wash um, because I you know people have clearly responded to it I just wasn't one of them so I don't want to suggest that those things don't work they just didn't work for me so that's awesome. I know I was looking at the Nupagen wash while we were talking and the reason I had heard of it, yeah. I'm going to do Braverman up in New York and for reoccurrent loss. And they use that a ton. Um, and it did, oh, okay. it did relate to Interesting. patients. I don't know how, but it did. Okay. I was like, I know there's some tie there. Um, I think it has something to do with white <laughs> blood cells, but I was like, I 
was, okay. didn't want to read too much into it while we were recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but no, this has been great. Thank you guys for having a platform for people like me to come on and share. Um, honestly, this whole, like, I still listen to podcasts regularly when I walk. It's just great to hear other people's stories and experiences. So thank you for what you do. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being on with us today. <laughs>